Welcome to another Season 5 episode of Hashtag Prepped, and we are here today to talk about the most important thing when it comes to getting solid score improvements on these standardized tests, and that is practicing. So we are dedicating this episode to the art of practicing effectively for the SAT. From setting goals and creating a study schedule, to using active learning strategies and overcoming test anxiety. We'll be sharing some valuable insights on how to create a study plan, identify strengths and weaknesses, and utilize effective learning strategies to maximize your performance on test day. But more than just talking about effective practicing today, we're also going to talk about how to get students to practice, and that is motivation. So while the practicing effectively part of this episode is superficially for students, parents can benefit from added ways to help push their students to maximize their potential on these standardized tests. Before we dive into today's episode, make sure to five-star us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and make sure to send this to a friend in desperate need of test prep help. More importantly, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. You can even call us at 516-626-6100 to talk to me or any of the other directors. So let's get underway. My name is Naka. I'll be your host today. And today, let's introduce our veteran guest. We have Alan Reed, director of our Manhattan and Scarsdale locations. Hey, Alan. Hey, what's up? And we also have Jeremy Freed, our director of personnel, to help break down effective practice strategies. Hey, Jeremy. Great to be back, Naka. All right, so Alan, we just got about halfway through our semester leading up to the next SAT, and as per usual, we just did a full test review of our second test, and then we actually give them their practice books. Why is that? Uh, well, certainly we want the students to know what they want to study, and so really importantly, if we give them the books up front, students are going to be kind of just leafing through that, looking at a little bit of uh, you know everything. We want them really to be focused. We want they want to understand. What does plug-in mean, for example, in math? What, is, what are back-solve questions? How do I identify them? And really specifically, what type of questions you're missing in grammar, which is a, a big focus of our early part of our course. And so going through what you said, Naka, about half the course already? Yeah, about halfway. Halfway through the course, the students will have gotten a lot of that instruction at this point, so they have a little bit more focus. And I think that's probably one of the most important parts of studying is to really understand that you want to know what it is you do know and don't know and what your strengths and weaknesses are. And so setting, you know, appropriate goals there is really, really important as far as people's mindsets, students' mindsets. Now, this book that uh, we give the students, it's pretty, pretty thick there, right? <laughs> Several hundred pages. And it's, it's pretty intimidating to kind of give that to a student and be like, hey, we need you to practice there. So let's talk about kind of approaching this book. Uh, Jeremy, any tips or strategies there? Well, you know, with uh, with anything, you want to have a plan in place. Um, you know, what we always uh, say about that book is that you don't have to sit down with the goal of, uh, you know, finishing an entire test in a sitting. You can do that, but you know, you can also break it down into to really, you know, digestible pieces uh, that make it a lot more accessible on a day to day and week to week basis. Uh, because a, a SAT is actually, you know, three hours exactly uh, of testing. Uh, so helpfully, if you, you know, divide that into uh, six equal parts, that's, you know, 30 minutes a day on average, um, you know, for, you know, the span of a week, you know, even, you know, you, you get a day off there. But um, as well, it breaks down even further. So, you know, like a, a reading section, you know, is five passages, each of them on average, 13 minutes a piece. Maybe one one day you don't have as much time, you do two reading passages, it's uh, 26 minutes. So another day you have a little extra time, it's three passages, 39 minutes. Uh, but any which way, you know, you're setting reasonable goals for yourself 
so that you can say, all right, you know, I don't have to sit down for a full test in order to be successful here. All I need to do is to do a couple of things uh, in a purposeful way uh, to make some, you know, progress towards my ultimate goal. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's almost too daunting to be giving the assignment of, hey, go do a test a week. It's almost like saying, hey, I need you to go do like a thousand push-ups. That's kind of a, a big chunk there. And and Alan and I know about breaking down, doing thousands of push-ups. Uh, we did used to do what, like a thousand push-ups a week last year. And what it comes down to is breaking it down to about like, what, what do we do? About like 20 push-ups, like a few times a day, but then that adds up. So instead of viewing it as, hey, I need you to go take this test, break it down into bite-sized chunks. So Alan, in terms of the timing, it is about 30 minutes a day, but when you're doing that 30 minutes, you can be doing specific things. Yeah, you, you really want to know what you're focusing on, as I mentioned earlier. Um, you know, I think some people feel like it's a very daunting task because there are so many questions. There's 52 reading questions, 44 writing questions. But that's a really important thing to know is you don't really need to be uh, perfect in some of these sections. I know that's that's you know obviously the the highest goal you can have, but understanding how each section is scored is also a really important part of understanding how you can improve. For example, questions in the reading generally are worth a little bit less, and you know that's intuitive based on the four hundred points that you have there and fifty two questions versus the writing section, which is the same 400 points, but 44 questions. And so understanding where you want to focus your time is also going to be important. Yeah, I like to say you want to kind of practice with purpose when it comes to like those 30-minute chunks. Say you missed a lot of vocab questions on your practice test. You can go in for, say, two or three reading passages with the intention of, hey, I'm not going to miss a single one of these. And then you can instantly or within a few days start moving that score immediately and you've addressed one of your weakest areas. But it just comes down to consistent practice there. Even with grammar, I was chatting with my students. Say you missed about five apostrophe questions, which is insane for my students listening. Uh, but here's the thing. You don't need to go through a whole test. Say you're terrible at writing. You can just for one week, say, just practice that 35-minute writing section. Not every day, maybe even every other day. But as long as you're doing something rather than nothing, you're, you're moving your score, but say you miss five on the first day by the second day, say you miss three by that third day, say you're even down to one mistake. You're still missing one apostrophe mistake, but you've already corrected about four. You've moved your score about 20 to 40 points there. Yeah. And, and the, you know, purposefulness of practice is, is truly key. You know, when, when it comes to being successful there, if you just go and take a test and then you say, okay, I took this test. It's like, okay. And, and then what? Well, I scored it. I got this score. Okay. Well then what? It's like, okay, well, oh, I guess then what? I just, I, I got my score and I got my score and that was it. It's like, well, that, that number doesn't say anything. You know, like that, that's like a, like a, like a checkpoint, you know, on this, you know, path to a, a score that you're really excited about. So just to say, I got this score. Okay. You know, as, as you like to say, not like you, you don't lose weight by looking at the scale and wishing the number was smaller. Okay. You, you, you have to do something specific in order to make that happen. So, you know, when we even, you know, in our course, right, of course, on, on diet too, you know, you, you say it until you're blue in the face. Like, I don't care about the score on this test. Like the actual number is inconsequential. What it's about is like, what did you do or not do to get to that number? Okay. What do you need to do specifically different in order to get a different score? And, you know, take that into your practice so that when you're, you know, going about it, you're saying not just, oh, I don't have as good a writing score as I would like to. It's like, okay, well, well why not? What are we missing? You know, is it apostrophes? Okay. Well then, you know, it's not as important to go out there and do, you know, like a, a math, no calculator section. Like, as you said, you can, you can sit down and track down like every question that has an apostrophe in it and make sure that, you know, them inside and out. And the next time your score jumps in that way. So the, to, to be purposeful in your practice is so key. 
To reinforce the point about consistency, especially for our students who have strong math scores and really want to get those English scores moving, right? That, that tends to be a good chunk of our students there. Reading comes down to consistency, right? These are habits that we're teaching you, right? It's not that when you see this problem, you have to like do an equation. That's math. In writing, you have to know all those rules. But for reading, it's coming down to the habits of going back to the passage, being able to recognize, hey, these answers are hyper literal. And it's not like how you do that in school. So it's a lot of breaking old habits, forming new ones. And the only way you develop those habits is through consistent practice. So when we say, hey, do a, you know, do a test a week, what we're really saying, do those 30 minutes a day. That's manageable. That's 60, 30 second TikToks. That's what I tell the kids. But 30 minutes a day, you know, they have baseball practice, soccer practice, whatever practice, but you can sneak in 30 minutes a day. And that's one thing I always tell the parents to kind of get on board with because that's manageable. What homework should you be doing? The 30 minutes. And it's not like we're asking them to do it for like two months. It really realistically is we give it about like a month before the SAT, but students procrastinate. So, you know, even if you do it the three weeks before the SAT, as I said, you know, you can go from five posture mistakes to like one in a week as long as you do it. So, you know, one of the kids, I, one of the things I always tell the kids is uh, my favorite Star Wars quote, do or do not, there is no try. Mm-hmm. As long as you're doing something, practicing, doing your 30 minutes a day, that score will move there. Any last thoughts on practicing, guys, before we kind of pivot to the the trickier part? How do we get the students to practice? Well, uh, you know, something of a perhaps a segue there to the observation that you made about, you know, you can you can carve out 30 minutes. And I'll tell you, as a parent, you know, I have have a high school age student. She knows she's got time. Uh, She was you know, lamenting to me the other day. Like, oh, I don't really have time for that. And I said, do you really not have time for that? Like, no, nah, I have time for that. I just don't make time for it. You know, so so they know. They know they have the time for it. You know, I think people like to think that they're busier than they are. But, you know, how often, you know, are, are people pulling phones out of their pocket? You know, one of the big things in reading also, Naka, you know, of course, we know is vocabulary. Because uh, as much as it's just like it's a scavenger hunt, you go back, you look, you find. You need to have something in vocabulary to know that like, oh, that thing I just read there, that's a synonym for the answer choice, you know, that that that's the right answer. Like those words mean the same thing, but I have to know at least enough of those words to know that they mean the same thing. Uh, and like vocabulary study, I always tell my students, I was like, you, you don't have to sit down, you know, and carve out like, you know, 45 minutes, like sit down and learn vocabulary. It's like, have your words for the day in your pocket, like rubber band them to your phone. And every time you take your phone out to look at it, look at your words first, and then do whatever you're going to do on your phone. And now you got it happening. Like, what, you took five seconds to do that? You will add those five seconds up over the course of a day and discover, like, I know these words really well and it barely took me any effort to do it because it wasn't, you know, 30 minutes even, you know, of like practicing I did. It was just like like seconds and pockets of time here and there that added up to something huge. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, how, how, how bad do you want it essentially is, is a question you have to ask, ask yourself for sure. And, you know, I know this is true of all of our, our test takers, directors, we, we genuinely and earnestly say to the students, contact us anytime, okay? Well, there's 24, 24-7 office hours, essentially. Now, we're certainly not going to respond 3 a.m. in the morning, but I'll get your email, and I will respond any question you have. So, you know, this is this is a resource that students can have, and I, I'll, I'll tell you that there are students that utilize that. They'll, they'll reach out to me as they're practicing, and they'll say, hey, just something really quickly. Hey, I was doing question number four on, on this practice test, and I didn't understand why the answer was D. I read the explanation. Can you just give me five minutes of your time? And of course, we will. But just that act of reaching out to us shows me, hey, you, you do care. You you are trying, whereas others you know, may not really even make that, that much effort. 
Yeah, you, you always know when, when the students are really invested there. I mean, part of it is the reach out. You know, uh, I do uh, sometimes, as uh, I expect you guys do as well, when, you know, you, you have test results that, you know, are going to be back and, um, you know, kids want to know, how, you know, their results early. So you make it available to them. Um, but I'll have students who, like, I will be making that announcement in class. Hey, if you want your test results early, uh, shoot me an email. I'll be I'll be sure to send it your way. And while I am making that announcement, they have their phone out and they're emailing me that second because they're like, you know, because I tell them, I was like, you know, you don't have to email me any more than once. As soon as I have it ready, I will reply to your email with your results. So one request is all it takes. And they're like, well, I know I'm going to want it early. I'm doing that right this second. And you just say, hey, you know, I'm ready to meet that energy because, you know, if you're investing in yourself that hard, like I'm I'm, I'm ready to walk that path with you. Uh, that's uh, that's the key, I think, ingredient, of course, is the student's uh, commitment to the effort. Yeah. So let's talk about how to inspire these students, how to help them realize, you know, one thing I always repeat to the students is more than the SAT score and like the, the test prep that you're doing, the preparation itself has long reaching effects because right after they do their SAT prep, they're going on to do their college essays. So that's important there. And all their grammar skills carry over because if you mess up I versus me on your college essay, that's terrible my students listening. Uh, but if you do it properly, that just doesn't bring you up to like a base level that helps you stand out. And for something like college admissions, that that's all you need to do is stand out. So I'd even go out of my way to do like an I versus me, less versus fewer, right? Just to help enhance your portfolio in that sense. But there are other benefits such as like placing out of freshman year English classes. Guys, any other things that you can think of? Well, I mean, uh, before you even get into the college part of it, it means scholarships. Like right. you're talking about uh, like all the scholarships that are, you know, can be um, SAT score related, where you have to hit a certain benchmark to to be eligible, and then all of a sudden, you know, this this raft of money is available to you. You know, it can make the difference between you know whether you're able to, um, you know, board at college or staying, you know, stay and live at home with your parents. You know, because all of a sudden, like you have uh, like ten thousand extra dollars, you know, to to go towards your education. It's like, oh, we'll give you this and room and board, and it's like. I'm I'm all of a sudden now living at college on my own. It's like, hey man, if that you know is something that uh, rings your bell, then hey, good news, you can work on this SAT, you can get this great score, and maybe instead of living at home, you're living at college, you know, and and, and starting to you know you know turn that chapter of your life uh, in a new direction. So you know there there's such real tangible benefits to it. You know that it, it really is about you know finding out well you know what motivates this kid. Okay, what what uh, aspect of having a really good score on this test is going to resonate the most uh, and speak to them to say, hey, that thing you really want, like one of the like big, you know, kind of uh, mile markers on that path is a strong result on this test and what it can do to open those doors for you. Uh, so if you could figure that out, you know, then, you know, the, the effort comes from them uh, and all you have to do is, is guide it. Jeremy, as a parent, you have a different sense of incentivizing your kids because I'm a cat dad over here. My incentives are just treats. Uh, so let's talk about incentivizing kids or just actually just being there as a parent to kind of help guide them. Well, you know, I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate in many ways. Uh, you know, I think everybody you know, thinks that their kids are great. Um, you know, but but I have, you know, kids who I think um, have uh, an inherent, you know, a good work ethic. OK, I mean, it's something we try to, um, you know, instill in them, you know, but, uh, you know, for my uh, daughter in high school, I don't ever have to be on her to do her homework. I know that she's going to come home. She's going to take care of that. I don't have to, you know, watch her every move there. You know, my, my son requires a little more watching there, but 
you know, in other uh, aspects of his life. Uh, he's a, a very competitive athlete. You know, he knows that like the, the payoff, okay, uh, of, you know, really, you know, consistent, concerted practice is that when you get to a game, you get to do the things you want to do. Uh, you get to be better, you know, than your opposition. And you get to like accomplish stuff on the floor. Or afterwards, you look back and say, wow, that was great. Like, I love that feeling. And for the the individual motivations, that's one thing or another. But what I always, you know, say to students, you know, my own children, like, look, you know, when you get to this moment, okay, whatever that moment is, it could be that game that you're playing in, it could be that SAT that you're taking. One of two things is going to happen: either you are going to hope that it's going to go well, or you're going to know that it's going to go well. And the second one happens because you worked really hard at it. Okay, you knew going in, like, hey. Whatever happens here, I know I put everything I had into it. Like the outcome is the outcome, but I know I left it all on the table. Versus, I could have done more. I should have done more. Okay, uh, I know that like I left it up to chance right now, uh, and that's you know uh, of course a much worse feeling. Uh, so you know when you when you can frame things the correct way, you have people with the correct intentions. You know I think it uh, you know makes an easy mix. Yeah, and surrounding yourself, especially on something like the SAT, with having a supportive family, that's going to be huge. Because let's just talk about setting goals, because that's a, a conversation I have with parents all the time. Uh, what's my student's final score going to be? I want a 1,500 or so. And the student's starting with a little bit of a softer score. And as a parent, if you're setting a goal so high, your student's going to constantly fall short of that. And that's going to kind of create this frustrated feeling and they're going to be a little bit demotivated. So I'm all about celebrating little wins. So it's always stepwise in terms of the the progress. So say you're at like a thousand, I would say set 1250 as a solid benchmark to hit first, right? And then move on from there instead of having overarching goals in that sense. Alan? Yeah, well, I think it's, you know, regardless of what the actual number is, it's just really being realistic in the goals and, and understanding that there's certainly going to be a path there. And we, we hope that uh, you know you're able to achieve achieve whatever goals you set but just to understand along the way that you know we're going to have milestones we we during our course you know it's one of the reasons we have four diagnostic tests and as jeremy mentioned earlier we're not looking for instant score improvement on diag two for example it takes time so you want to actually see progress and understand why it is or isn't happening versus just hoping for some magic number to suddenly appear yeah and as you hit each of those benchmarks, it's important to, as I said, celebrate success. And it's good to provide incentives. I remember I was had a student who was a very avid gamer and the mom kind of had, interestingly, had a good control on how much game time he had. But, you know, I was like, every time he hits X score, you know, give him an extra hour of gaming. And uh, he fought for every point to make sure he would get that 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 good score that would uh, give him the extra hour of gaming, which is which was important to him. So uh, do whatever it takes to incentivize your kids if it is manageable. All right, so let's uh, wind down this episode with a classic hashtag prepped pro tip. Alan, what you got for us? Uh, I would say be consistent is the main thing. Um, you know, make sure you build your study habits into a routine, whether that means literally putting into your calendar or if you have a planner, the you know just just that simple simple act can really help remind you. You know, just like we have reminders that hey, I should get up right now and stretch a little bit. Ooh, I haven't taken a sip of water in an hour. Those are all things that are are really actually helpful because you know you need to do it. You're just not thinking of it at the time. Jeremy, anything to add? Yeah, I would just you know build on that to say to celebrate small victories. If if you even just sat down and did like one passage one writing passage that's not even 10 minutes of practice 
you still did better than nothing. And I would consider that a successful amount of practice to say, you sat down, you really focused on that, you worked hard at that, you got one done, great. Okay, I'm glad that you just decided to devote 10 minutes to that. So so celebrate small victories. Uh, at my gym, you know, there's a, a picture, you know, walk by every single day. It says, what today seems impossible will one day be your warm up. And it's just, you know, this reminder, you know, you, something little adds up to something big. Uh, and that's really the, the moral of the practice story. Okay, that you're, you're not going to get all these uh, gains all at one time. But if you are committed to it, you know, every little bit helps. It all adds up. And then you get to a place you're really excited about. So we hope all the parents and students listening found this episode helpful and uh, found a little bit of motivation out of this. Uh, Sitting across from me, we have Alan Reed, director of our Manhattan Scarsdale location. We have Jeremy Freed, our director of personnel. My name is Naka, and this has been another episode of Hashtag Prepped.